I'm your host, Maria Maldonado-Smith, and this is Creating the Vision, a podcast about living the life you envisioned and leaning into your passions, power, and purpose. Each week, we'll hear from guests discussing their journey to living and creating the vision for their life. We'll talk all things vision imagery, goal setting, and accountability so that you feel empowered and inspired to take action, turning your plan into the life you've always dreamed of living. Welcome, visionary. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Creating the Vision. I am so excited for you guys to meet my guest this week, a super cool chick and friend of mine who I actually had the opportunity to see when I was in town a couple months ago. Yes. So I was really fortunate to be able to um, to interact with her, to see her, to catch up. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Liz Toombs because she is known, known as the go-to decorator for sorority and Interiors, interiors on college campuses. The work of Tombs and the PDR Interiors team can be seen over 100 campuses spread across 25 plus states. I just recently visited my alma mater's college campus. That's why I was in town. And I can tell you that I just love seeing all the work that you do. I love the niche you've created. And so I'm going to kick it off by introducing you, having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about your interior design journey. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I always love getting to connect with you. And mostly these days, it just seems to be over LinkedIn or, you know, on social media now that we're in in different states. But yeah, so a little bit about me um, as far as PDR goes and my, my journey. I really fell in love with houses and design and such as a child. My granddad was a realtor. And so that's what was my first exposure to a variety of homes. You know, you're always in your own house or your family's house or your friend's houses. And a lot of times those can tend to look really similar, but by going into homes that were for sale, um, you just got to be exposed to a lot more options and just aesthetics out there. And I think that really piqued my interest. Um, and actually, to this day, real estate is is still very interesting to me. If I'm visiting a college town, I will often look up a house that I see for sale when I'm driving down the road because I want to know, like, what is the real estate market in that area? I just I find it really interesting. So that was sort of the springboard for me in wanting to get into this this career. So in college, I studied textiles, really had more of a fashion focus, but knew I'd like to do some things in in houses and in homes and ended up being able to have an opportunity to get into the design industry in about 2007, I guess it was, and just never looked back from there. I just, it was an opportunity to jump on a dream that I had had, and I just wanted to see where I could go with it. And so here we are all these years later, you know, two years I worked for someone else and then I went out on my own. So again, you have to understand me. And as a child, I uh, was pretty timid, didn't like to do things that I wasn't sure would be a win. Didn't really like to ask questions because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. So I've come a long way in that regard. And just, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have no idea what you're doing. And now I just live in that discomfort daily. (laughs) Yes. Oh, just before we had this call, I I've, I had experienced that same 
feeling of not knowing anything that I was doing and having to ask all of the questions. So I do that totally resonates with me. And I love that I did not realize we share an affinity for real estate because I do too. And at one time when I was thinking about what my entrepreneurial path might be, be, I thought deeply, heavily prayed about it, everything, uh, uh, considering a, a path in real estate because We've moved so much mm-hmm. and across, you know, and made, made not so cross country moves, but definitely within the Southeast region. We've moved several times. And so I think what four homes in eight years. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get used to, to your point. Yes. You go through a town and you look at real estate and you're like, Oh, I wonder what that's for. You know, what the, I wonder what the market is for that. So yeah. I love that we share the, that that same passion, but I realized that it was just more of a, more of a passion, more of something that I just enjoyed rather than something I wanted to turn into a career. Yeah, um, I get that. I, it's mm-hmm. a nice outlet, I think. I don't know about you, but if I'm yes. going to watch like the home stations like HGTV or Magnolia Network, I want to look at the real estate focused shows and less the design focused shows because that gets my mind off of work, if that makes sense. If I'm watching yes. a design show, I'm like right back in work. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. let's take me out of it, but something mm-hmm. adjacent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, well, so when you walk into a sorority home, because you really built a name for yourself within this niche of interior designing for sorority homes, homes. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing, if you've never been in a sorority or if, and I know you were in Alpha Gamma Delta at um, the University yes. of Kentucky and as an 80 Pi. And, you know, it's interesting when you go through the recruitment process, I mean, you walk into the home and it says a lot about the group. It represents so much about the vibe that they're giving off and you mm-hmm. want to feel at home. I know as cliche as it sounds, Greek life was a wonderful thing for me. I loved it because of the sisterhood, the connections, the leadership opportunities, just, just that togetherness. It, it gave me an opportunity to, um, I'm shyer than people realize. I think that's the other <laughs> thing too. It's like, I, yeah, as extroverted as I am, I, I can definitely tend to like stay in my own shell. So when I walked into homes, I wanted to get that, like feel that at home feeling. How mm-hmm. do you create that when you are, when a, a sorority reaches out to you when a, or a client reaches out to you and says, this is what we're going for. Like we want these young women to walk through here and feel at home. Walk mm-hmm. us through that process. Sure. It is not unlike designing for a residential family. You have to really tap into the vibe, like you said, the culture. And so just because 80 Pi at Kentucky, the chapter is one way, does not mean 80 Pi at LSU is the same. There are commonalities, of course, and obviously they are all sort of working towards supporting the same mission and their philanthropy. And there are commonalities in terms of obviously the emblems, the colors and so on, but the students themselves are different. And so when you go to different regions of the country, there are things that change. There are preferences that change um, and just the culture in general. And so what my team tries to do is we, we have to figure out obviously who the decision makers are. And then we just have to understand what they're going for. Just like if I sat down with a couple and was like, what do you want to achieve in your home? How do you use these spaces? So we ask a lot of questions. So back to that, that whole theme again, that's probably where I became comfortable asking questions. <laughs> was I had to get inside people's heads. And so what's unique about the sorority work is it's not just a family of four that I'm talking to. It is alumni. It is headquarters representatives. It is students that in four years, we'll no longer be here. And so you have to take all of that information and figure out how to pull out the most useful details to then translate that into a house that reflects them well, 
is welcoming to potential new members coming in and considering joining the organization, but also is timeless that it's going to hold up and, you know, not have to be redone next year, but also still looks good enough to attract the the teenagers, the young adults that are coming through because it, it looks good enough that they want to hang out there. So <laughs> it's really a, a whole dichotomy of things going, but really the root of it is asking questions to understand what their personal goals are and what that culture is in that chapter. What got you started in sororities, in sorority houses? Well, it was an accident, right? You know, you said I was at Alpha Gamma at Kentucky. Um, I always had thought, you know, designing a sorority house was for, I don't know who, like them out there. You know, it wasn't a real job. I didn't think it was a real thing. And actually a fraternity at UK had come to me first and said, hey, we're going to build this new house, but right now we're we're looking real rough and we're not very competitive. We want to make As it they better. As they mostly for... do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they mostly do. <laughs> There's a theme, but um, right, yes. yeah, they said, can, you know, can you help us out? We want to spruce up a couple rooms so our current chapter members have a place they can enjoy. And so I did it. And um, it was at the time in my career, Maria, where you just said yes to everything. You know, you just see how it's going to go. You don't know what you're doing. You just say yes. And I really enjoyed it. You know, it was obviously a committee of members and alums, and we went through the whole design process together and then executed the installation. And I was like, well, that was kind of fun. Like, that was a neat thing to do. And then it turned out a sorority on the same campus at Kentucky. They shared a chef with that men's group, and the women's group needed to update their house. And their chef was like, hey, uh, you know, this gal just did this, you know, call her up. And so they did. And I was like, all right, maybe this, maybe this is a thing here. So just from there, it sort of snowballed and it became, I really like to build relationships. Um, and I know you're a big networker as well. And that is where I have seen so much fruit, I guess, in my career is connecting with others and building those relationships within business and helping others because then it's reciprocated. So anyway, I just started doing a lot of networking within the Greek industry and just learning more about it and figuring out how I could serve that industry. And then the real pivotal point for me was in 2012, the same organization that I had done at UK called and said, hey, would you go out of state for us? Once again, I'm like, well, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, What nobody knew at the time, no one um, professionally knew, was my mom was very sick with cancer. And it was nearing the end. And I knew it was nearing the end. And I was scared to say no to business. But I I was also scared to say yes, because I was really needed back in Kentucky and at home. So I just said, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. And, you know, I think God's timing is perfect and it all worked out really well. I was able to end up going to the project after my mom had passed and it's just been off and running ever since then. Mm -hmm. And I've built a lot of great relationships over the years and I really enjoy supporting the work that sororities do uh, within college women. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole other, I think topic too, in and of itself is just the, the benefit. I mean, I look at, I look at amazing empowered women like yourself who, you know, is a business owner. And I do, I think about that. It's like, we are, you know, we are a piece of the sororities that made us. And Mm -hmm. there's so many positives that we overlook oftentimes in Greek life. But Mm -hmm. I, I love this journey that you started and kind of went from not really knowing, like you said, it's, it's, it's that. And I totally like when you said that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, yes. I feel like this past (laughs) 15 months has been 
been that for me so much mm-hmm. of, you know what, we're going to like put one foot in front of the other and just go with it. And we're going to build mm-hmm. this out and we're going to see where it goes. And we're going to take the, the, the pivots and the turns and the ups and the downs and figure it all out. But that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. And that's the beauty of, kind of being able to run your own business. So I, I'm sure you get asked this and maybe you don't get asked this a lot, but I'm sure you do. Do you have a favorite house that you've ever designed? Oh, you know, somebody asked me that recently and I would answer with like 10 or 12 answers, right? Well, I loved this room and that house and this part of that, but I do. There is a near and dear, I I won't say who or where, but there is a project that was near and dear to me because the board was just so endearing and I really loved getting to know them and work with them for, I mean, it was like two years by the time it it all was said and done. The project was a large scale. So we had a very dramatic before and after, which that always fills your cup creatively in my line of work to be able to see the transformation. I really enjoyed the team that we worked with, the architects, the contractors. And so that one is, is very special to me. We finished that one. Maybe pre-COVID. Now my, my mind is, is blanking. But anyway, so it was a few years ago. So recent, yeah. but like not mm-hmm. incredibly recent, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So, and I know that, I mean, I, I see everything that you're doing. I love reading the articles about you where you're featured. And I love seeing the, the homes that you've designed. But I know that it's not all. And we've talked about this and kind of when we were prepping for this too. I always want to acknowledge, like, I know that what you have built has taken time, dedication, effort, energy, hard work. Like it's that blood, sweat and tears mentality of like, you're all in because this is, this is your livelihood. So mm-hmm. can you talk to or share with us just something, because I'm sure that there's going to be someone out there who's thinking, I want to do what she does. Like, I want to be, I want to be Liz tombs in my life. I want to grow up and do this. <laughs> Share those moments, you know, like the ups and the downs, like what was a time when you're like, oh, like you kind of doubted yourself. You doubted if this was the, 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 the path for you, but then something happened, that spark or something kept you going to remind you that this is this is the path you're supposed to be on. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, building a business is just hard. It, everyone sees the, the ups and sees the successes or reads the articles, you know, that I'm quoted in, but that it wasn't like that from day one. It wasn't profitable from day one. And so I think that's just something I try to realistically always share with people who are looking at going into entrepreneurship. It is incredibly rewarding, both financially and in other ways, but it takes you a while to get there. So what comes to mind when you ask me that question about maybe something that was like deterring me? And I had a project once where um, I actually ended up resigning. It's the only project I ever resigned from because I could just tell everything about the project. There was a specific decision maker involved who was just not going to let let me do my job. It was going to be a battle. It wasn't worth the headache. It wasn't worth the stress. And I just thought, well, maybe I don't have it then. You know, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And I I cried about it for like probably weeks, Aww. you know, just thinking like I'm probably done. This probably isn't my my niche market. Maybe I made a mistake. And then all signs pointed to otherwise. I was heavily supported by others in the industry. You know, it really now looking back, it was just a blip. But at the time I was convinced it was absolutely the end of me and I was just going to have to start over or get out altogether. I mean, you know, a really dramatic, ridiculous yeah. response. But I've been there. at the time that was the story I was telling myself and that's yes. where I was in my head. So um, now I look back and I learned so much from that, right? I learned that I really can tell in my gut when it's time to say yes or no to a project and I should listen to that. And there had been some indications that maybe I shouldn't have done it. 
Um, but I did it anyway. And so then I said, okay, as much as I hate to quit anything or leave anything, I need to sever ties. And, you know, here's the information you need to go forward. And I'm taking myself out of this. But I also just learned how to handle conflict within projects too, and just how to stand up for yourself, but also how to figure out a resolution that's good for all parties involved. There was just a lot of learning experiences. And that was very early in me owning my business. And so I feel like that's valuable now because I can look back and know you can have the hard conversations. You can, you can make these decisions, but it wasn't fun at the time. That's that, that really is. It's such powerful advice because knowing when to say no is definitely something you learn through the process. And, and that's something that when I first started out, I felt like I couldn't say no, that I had to yep. say yes to every single person. And now that I am building things out and I'm getting to choose and I've aligned my core values with my mission statement and what I really stand for, I now have the ability to say, this is the type of company that I want to approach. This is the type of company that if they, if someone approaches me, this is what I'm looking for. And I can fit that yep. need and not feel the need to say yes to every single person that comes my way. But to your point, I mean, at first you're not profitable. So you're, you know, at first you feel like all you're doing is investing, 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 you know, time, energy, mm -hmm. effort, money, everything. And it's like, when is this going to pay off? So I love mm -hmm. to hear that because it's something, especially as female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship in general, we typically see the highlight reel. We see the end result. We see people's success. But for anyone who's wanting to do what it is that you do, it's just great to be mindful of those types of situations. Yes. And you are so right. A lot of the decision to say yes to anything is financially driven, but I also think there's a little bit of like a desire to be accepted and validated in your line of work. And so like, if they're coming to you, you should say yes, because you know, this means they want to work with you. It doesn't always mean it's the right fit. And so you have to kind of put that aside, but I think it's hard to do without experience. It just comes over time. Mm -hmm with experience. And I have learned, you know, I've worked with a business coach for years and I've always heard her say, saying no to something means that you're leaving room to say yes to something better that is a fit for you. Mm -hmm. Because if you say yes to that bad fit and then the right fit comes along, you're resentful of the one that you said yes to that you shouldn't have, or mm -hmm. you don't have capacity for the good fit. And so it's like, say no to the good so that you can say yes to the great. And so that's always stuck with me. And I'm like, oh, it really is against my nature to say no or like not have the calendar filled up. But there is something better coming. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is so good. That is so good because you are you're hitting it so many <laughs> things that are resonating with me and, and, and you're, you're, you're right. There are those opportunities. And I think whether, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur, just things in life, think about like the job that people mm -hmm. go on a job interview and they don't get it. And they're so bummed because they have their heart set on that one particular job or that role within that organization. But I've always looked at those as like, you know, they say like, you know what, rejection is God's redirection. And it's just that yeah. it's just you being redirected in a way that is supposed to fit you better. And I mm -hmm. have been really bummed over potential clients that I've thought really good about. Like the, the, the consultation went phenomenal. I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing to work with this person. This would be so great. And then they've decided to say no, or they've just ghosted me and never followed up. 
<laughs> those oh, are the best. That's I'm the like, worst. It's worse. I'm like, dear God, I thought we had a really good connection. I thought this was going to be great. And then out of nowhere, you'll get the person who will like beat down your door to be like, I, I want to get on your calendar. Please send me. Let's chat. I filled out the inquiry. You know, this is my budget. This is what I'm thinking. You know, let, let's, let's work together. And you find that, wow, they're committed. They're driven. They're drawn to what it is that you want. And they soak up everything that you have to share with them. So mm-hmm. you speak that that language of that experience and that truth when you when you said that because it is it's it's so true and what are you giving up i had a coach as well who used to always say and i know we hear it often too but if it's if it's not a hell yes then it's a hell no and that has yeah. stuck with me a lot as i have built my own business in my personal life, I am someone who is, a, and even in my professional life, but more so in my personal life, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I am someone who always wants to say yes to everything because I always want to make people mm-hmm. happy and I want to make them. But I've realized as a business owner and even as a person, that unfortunately leaves me completely depleted, completely feeling mm-hmm. just a shell of myself. And I can't be the best for the people that I really want to show up for in my life. Yep. You are right. So designing sorority houses, 25 plus states, over a hundred campuses. What is next? Like what's on the horizon for 2024? Oh gosh. I get that question a lot too. And I am someone who um, has always been very driven, very ambitious, always very much what's next. This year I've had a lot of changes in my personal life and I'm just taking a minute to say like, just going to catch my breath for a second and really take stock. I have some ideas, you know, ultimately I've got some like future goals that I'd love to do at some point. I would love to have some lines of products for specifically like sorority houses, dorms, that type of thing. That's just very much in my lane. I'm very much interested in real estate. So I'm considering, do I do an investment in, you know, short-term rentals? Do I do some kind of flip situation? I think that could be really fun. But at the moment I am just taking a breath and seeing where I want to go with things and also looking back at how far I've come and just celebrating that for a minute, because I usually am always what's next and not really celebrating the wins. Oh, I am so glad that you said that and that you were doing that because you're right. We don't celebrate our wins enough and we don't take the time to just rest and take that deep breath. You've accomplished Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. and you are always doing. So we have to take those times, those moments to just, breathe and take in everything that we absolutely yeah that we've accomplished that is so cool is there a dream client that you have on your your vision board because i know you've made one because you made one with me oh i sure did yes i'm actually looking at it right now from when (laughs) i did it in the class with you a couple months ago Um, and i've done vision boarding for years but i used Mm -hmm. to kind of do it on my own so it was really nice to kind of refocus with you and under your guidance and like those prompts because that that helped me refocus. I would say no, there's not necessarily a dream client. I really enjoy the work that we do. And, you know, we do a lot of mentoring within my company and just trying to give students exposure to the career. And so that's what's so fulfilling for me about going back and working in sorority houses is because we're creating spaces for the college students. And so it's all very, very connected for me. So I just want to get to continue to do that work, you know, just kind of grow and expand in in my designs, but serve those college age women and support their college experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you actually help because you have a team. So you help create the vision also for your team as well. What is one thing that you're really working on helping 
to develop in them over the next year? I think I'm always just looking to understand how they want to grow as people, both professionally, but also personally. And then what can I do to support that? And I think probably I project a little bit of like my past experiences getting a little too bogged down in work and getting too stressed out and that being my identity. Mm -hmm. And so I I tend to try to help them avoid that. (laughs) There's, you know, some fail safes we've put in place for that. But my hope is that that is helpful to them so that they're a person first and, you know, a designer second as opposed to the other, other way around. And we actually built that into our values too about being human first. And that really resonated with all of us. So, so yeah, I think it's just, it's that just trying to understand who they want to be and what they want to do and how this work can make that possible for them instead of letting work be the driver for everything they do. I absolutely love that you have being a human first. I think that is fantastic. And just because we are at our, I mean, it's, Yes, that's how we show up every day as a human, as a human being, just trying to trying to live our life, trying to build our work, create a life that we are proud of and that is meaningful to us. Okay, so best advice that you have for anyone who's wanting to create a vision for themselves to become an interior designer. Oh, just start. Don't overthink it. You got to quit overthinking it. Figure out, do you want to go the route of like professional schooling? And if so, what are your options? What's in your budget? What's your timeline? Or do you just want to try to find someone in your area that maybe you can learn experientially from and not necessarily do the formal schooling? Only you really know your life and what fits in. You know, are you trying to work it around your kid's schedule? Is this like an empty nester decision? So just you need to research some stuff, but don't get so bogged down in the research that you don't just jump in and get started because it's fun, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. And, you know, maybe you're going to get started one way and decide that you hate it, then redirect. Oh, I love the, I love that. Yes. Yes. Just get started. I love that. That's so perfect. (laughs) Such a perfect way. Um, Okay. So there, I always ask my guests this too. What is your do the dang goal? What is that one goal that you are going to get started on? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think it's probably, I'm on the verge with either like exploring the product lines and also exploring the real estate. So it's going to be one of those two things. I think it's just a matter of figuring out what fits me best right now, as far as the timeline. And um, I think as, as time goes on and in that exploration, it will become obvious. My follow-up question to that. So, okay. Product line, real estate. I love that products. What is one of the first products that comes to your mind that you're like, that's, that's one I want to develop. That's like, that's the vision that you have. I feel like low hanging fruit would be Mm -hmm. like accessories, like pillows, blankets, things like that, because they're very versatile. You can use them in a lot of spaces. I think I can come up with some options that would translate well across different schools, across different organizations. And then it goes back to my roots in textiles and, and, and fabrics. And so that's something that very much appeals to me right now. I am already, I can already see you in Target and everywhere else outside of the sorority space. We're going to take it into, <laughs> we're going to take this. Speak it into existence. That's right. right. We're speaking it happen. That's right. <laughs> we're speaking it into existence. Absolutely. Um, no, I just, I absolutely love what it is that you do because you, you do help people create you know, a vision, whether it is sororities, you know, in residential, we all need 
this is the piece of our creativity that sometimes is hard for people to to put together. I know that when whenever we've looked for houses, I'm that person who can see a space and I can envision knock down walls and I can uh-huh. I can envision the entire remodel and my husband's like this this house is nasty. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, no, I'm like, can't you see it? This could be like a grand oasis and all of this. And and so there is truly such, I I think when it comes to creativity, what you have is such a gift because I I, I just know from my, my own experience (laughs) with, with house shopping with my husband, it's hard for him sometimes to see that. And I could live in a construction zone year round because I just love the idea of things being made new and bringing Uh to life my vision and the creation that I want to see before me. So I am that person who could completely, I mean, Eventually, I would not want to live in a construction zone, but I think because I know what's coming, I see the end result and I could, mm-hmm. could see, could see it from the very beginning that watching it come to fruition before me, uh, which is, I mean, probably why I do what I do because I love seeing, you know, goals unfold and like the journey and the every, you know, the little steps along the way. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think it's so cool what you do because you truly do create that vision for people and, just knowing from the experience that I, that I had the home that you choose for four years of your life. And then I lived in the home, my, that home for almost three years, you, it becomes a part of your, it becomes your sanctuary. It becomes where you do go after a long day of classes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've bombed that test that you're frustrated about, mm-hmm. it's, it's where all the girls will gather in the TV room and, and, and watch TV together. Like you mm-hmm. are the, arbiter of creating that enjoyment, that life and that vision for, for those groups. And I think it's just so freaking cool what you do. It's funny that you say that because I always say like we create the backdrop for their lives. Like they're not necessarily going to remember every detail of that Mm -hmm. TV room, but they're going to remember the memories they made in there Mm -hmm. and all the things that happened. And so I just think that's fun to get to be a part of that. Cause I know I, I remember those types of things from Mm -hmm. my time in the chapter house too. Is there a favorite room that you like, is there like, or kitchens? Is that like something or living rooms? Like what are, what are some of the spaces that you enjoy? Oh, I would say probably TV rooms first because I really enjoy maximizing seating. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you are talking about a number of sisters jumping in there, like watching The Bachelor, watching a movie, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out how to get as many bodies in there comfortably as we can and still be able to move around. And then I would say second would be living rooms, because, again, during recruitment, you're having a lot of women come through that house. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to figure out how folks can sit down and have conversations during recruitment. And so it is giving it a certain look, but also maximizing it and just knowing that it's not just everyday use that that is for. So it's kind of those puzzles, I think, that Mm -hmm. really get me going. That's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So where can our (laughs) listeners find you, follow you? I mean, just soak up everything that it is that you do because I love what you do. You're amazing. I know I follow you on all the channels, but I want you to share where people can find you. Um, so you can find PDR Interiors and on Instagram and TikTok. Our website is PDR-Interiors.com. We're on there posting pictures and videos and you know sharing all the things. Oh, that's awesome. That's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I just 
Absolutely adore the work that you do. I think it's amazing. You are someone who I admire so much for being such a strong entrepreneurial minded woman who is out there crushing goals and creating this vision for your life, both professionally and personally and aligning the two. I love when there's synergy and you represent all of that. So I'm just really appreciative that you had this conversation with me today. Oh, you're very kind. I loved chatting with you. It's always great to catch up. Awesome. Well, yes, go follow Liz, pdrinteriors.com. Check out all of her amazing work. And if you are a sorority gal and y'all are looking for an interior designer because you need to update your house, this is your gal. So check her out and send her a DM on Instagram and get started on creating that vision for your next project. Thank you for listening to this episode. It would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review of the show and subscribe on your favorite app. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, Creating Visionaries. If there is something that stuck out to you in this conversation, send me a message on Instagram to let me know. Until next time, keep creating the vision for your life.